Daniel chapter 6. We'll be rather brief this afternoon. And of course, every time I say that, you all get your pillows and blankets out. Usually that's the case anyway. But um, it's been a good day. We thank the Lord for it. And um, I want to deal with um, four, four thoughts, just four simple things <clears throat> regarding our walk with God. And a lot of times we preach on the importance of it, and certainly uh, there is an importance to it. But uh, to try to give you some practical helps uh, on our walk with God today from, from God's Word. Uh, I, I'm amazed every time I read on the subject or come across some studies that have been done at how many Christians, people that name the name of Christ and say, I've been saved by uh, faith, uh, by putting my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, people that we would identify with, and we may not uh, hold to every uh, nuance uh, the same, but we would at least agree in the doctrinal issue of salvation. And it's amazing to me how many people who trust Christ as their Savior uh, that do not have a consistent and a reliable walk with the Lord. Uh, it's probably one of the most uh, neglected things that is the most hidden one of, of the things we neglect in our lives uh, because it is a personal issue. It's a, it's a private matter. And uh, unless somebody asks you, and unless you're uh, dishonest or honest about it, it, may or may not indicate whether you spend time with the Lord each day or not. But the truth is, uh, the, the nourishment for the Christian life is found in our daily walk with the Lord. Uh, our time spent in His Word, our time spent in fellowship with Him in prayer. And, um, and, and I don't want us to get this idea, I mean... I know that the disciples asked the Lord to teach them to pray, and He gave a wonderful example and format of praying. I don't believe the Lord's Prayer was intended to be quoted. I think it was intended as an example to show us how we should pray. But I think sometimes we get in our mindset that there's some formula or that this idea of praying is... Um, is something that's a very isolated, very uh, regimented thing. Can I tell you this, that when it comes to praying, it literally is just sharing our hearts with the Lord. Uh, whether it be our needs, our burdens, sometimes it may just be expressing our gratitude or our love for Him. Uh, all of these things are entailed in it. Maybe it's praying for someone else and a burden you have for someone else. And it's, it's no different than a... It is in the fact that it's speaking to an eternal God, and in that way it's extraordinary, but... It's no different than any conversation that we would have with anyone else sharing our needs. And I don't want us to get this idea that, that if, we don't, uh, if we don't word things correctly in our prayer that God won't hear it. And I've heard a lot of people over the years say, well, I just don't know how to word things when I come to pray. Just, just talk to God like you talk to you and I. But it's important that we share our hearts. I think there ought to be a spirit of reverence. And I'm not trying to de-emphasize that there ought to be an awe and a reverence for the Lord. But God is not sitting up in heaven saying, oh, you didn't word that the right way. I'm not going to answer it because of that. God wants to hear us. He wants to hear our hearts. He wants to commune with us and to, to fellowship with us. And one of the great benefits of being saved is that we have direct access to Him. 
Uh, we can we can kneel before Him in reverence. We can stand before Him. Uh, we can pray going down the road in the car if we have to. Uh, God just expects us to. It was said of Charles Spurgeon that many times when people were around him, they never knew when they, he was speaking to them and when he was speaking to God because he would transition so seamlessly in conversation between the two. And uh, I thought, you know, praying ought to be one of the most natural things that a Christian does. Uh, speaking to our Heavenly Father. When my dad was alive, I had the benefit, uh, uh, privilege for 12 years to work on staff with him at his church that he pastored. And uh, when I had something I needed to have answered, uh, I just called him on the cell phone. And even though he may have been across the property, or if I saw him in the hall, or if I said, hey, can I come to your office for a minute? And, and I would just go up there and I'd just talk with him and say, here's, here's my burden, here's my need, here's what I need answered. And, and can I tell you this? And again, I'm not trying to, to, to de-emphasize the, the idea of reverence when we come before God. But I think so often we neglect the praying because we, we feel like we can't do it well or we can't do it right. We just need to pray. Uh, God will teach us how to pray as we go along. The more we do it, the more He'll instruct and guide us. So I wouldn't worry so much about the form, uh, the, the, the uh, saying it the right way or having the right formula uh, to do it, because God just wants to hear us. Um, but I'm amazed, it, it seems like, how many Christians neglect uh, what is the literal lifeblood of the Christian life? It is, it is the nourishment. It is that which helps us to abide in Him and to allow His words to abide in us. And we neglect it so often. I, I uh, have often referred to uh, Psalm 1 and the fact that uh, the blessed man, is, the Bible says, that his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law doth he meditate day and night. And when he speaks on that, he says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And this is the benefit of delighting in the law of the Lord and, and, and reading his word. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 10, or I'm sorry, chapter 17, verses 5 through 10, deals with a very similar thing. Uh, the man who puts his trust uh, in man or the man who puts his trust in the Lord and his confidence in him, his nourishment comes from his walk, his fellowship, his relationship with God. Uh, and so it's very, very important. Uh, the, uh, the general cons- uh, there have been a number of surveys, and depending on which one you read, they all fall within a, a range of, of things. But out of folks that uh, claim to trust Christ as their Savior, the way that we would identify and that we would fully expect one day to be spending eternity with these kind of people, out of those, only 32% say that they read their Bible and pray every day. Uh, that's one-third. That, that, to me, is appalling. Uh, that the very, the very lifeblood of the Christian life is so neglected by so many people. Um, it's uh, About 12% of them say they do it once a week, and that's usually done in a church service or a Bible study. And then there are 12% of those, roughly, uh, that would say, I never never read my Bible other than when I go to church. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's a travesty. As a, as a result of this, uh, we are reaping the fruit of Christians who are very anemic because they have not been nourished spiritually with their walk with the Lord. And we're seeing Christians by the droves enter into doctrinal error because they have not walked with God the way they should. They've not spent time deepening their their faith in the Word of God and in the walk with God. 
there's 22%, if you were to go around, and, and again, depending on which study you look at, they're all within this realm, 22-25% of Christians, those that would say, I'm, I'm trusting Christ as my Savior, that believe that uh, the Bible is inspired. And, you, you know, I know we preach on it a lot here, the inspiration, the importance of the inspiration of Scripture, the importance of its infallibility. Uh, but there are a lot of churches who don't. They don't emphasize the Bible. They don't emphasize the importance of reading it. They don't emphasize the importance of memorizing it and hiding it in their hearts because they don't see the need. They look at it as a book. Over uh, 78%, roughly speaking, uh, believe that the Bible was just written by men. It was not inspired. And, and I'm not talking about out of the world. I'm talking about out of Bible belief. I don't want to say Bible believing because they don't believe the Bible. But people that would name the name of Christ and say, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, don't believe that the Bible is inspired by God. They don't believe it's infallible. They don't believe that it is altogether true in all God's words. Uh, they believe that, that it was a book that was written by men who were well-intentioned. Um, and so if you believe that way, why would you read it regularly? And so I think there needs to be a revival. And I want to make sure our church and our people are grounded in this. And we've tried to make it an emphasis here at our church that the Bible is inspired by God. Uh, it is 100% without error. It is preserved for us. And uh, there's not uh, one thing, there's not one thing that we would look at Scripture and say that is a, a, a misinterpreted or is an error, it's wrong. Uh, every bit of it is true and every bit of it is right. Uh, 57% of Christians that say they're Christians uh, believe that other religions uh, have the answer of going to heaven as well as ours. And this comes, we, we, we hear things like that, over half of the Christians in our, in our country today believe that uh, any, any other religion would have the answer to get to heaven, that uh, people can get there some other way. But when you hear people being interviewed like uh, Joel Osteen uh, or um, uh, Oprah, you hear them being interviewed on the news, and they say, well, we believe that other religions are sincere and God will take that into account, and so there probably are other ways to get to heaven. And, and you have Christians tuning in and listening to these folks, and they seem to be people of renown and people of fame. Uh, how can they be wrong? And it's amazing to me how many Christians will follow after the teaching of some famous or popular person above what the Bible says. You say, how do we get to that point? We neglect our walk with God. We have, we have a host of Christians around our country today that have neglected their walk with God. And because of that, they are susceptible. They are wide open. They are weak. They are a target for false doctrine. Uh, vitally, vitally important. Let's look in Daniel chapter number 6. It's not a, 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 an unfamiliar passage. It is the passage that deals with the story of Daniel and the lion's den, which if you've been in church any length of time, you probably have heard it uh, as a kid in Sunday school. You've probably heard it growing up in vacation Bible schools. <coughs> it's a very uh, well-known uh, passage in our, in our Bibles. But I want us to look at some things here. In verse number 1 of chapter 6, "...it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom." And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, and the prince, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? 
Wouldn't it be wonderful if people could say that of us? We talked a little bit ago last hour about the importance of having a pure life and a peculiar peculiarity about us. Uh, it'd be wonderful if people could look at our life and say there's an excellent, there's something different about them. There's an excellent spirit in them. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion or fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. I want us to look at four things. And the first thing I want to point out is when it comes to our walk with God, we need to make this a matter of something that is very, very personal to us. Not something we just teach on, not something we believe in, but something we personally practice each and every day. Uh, I'm amazed at how many things in the Christian life we talk about, and we'll amen when the preacher preaches on it, but then we don't follow. Uh, in, in practicality, in actuality, we don't do it. And uh, again, I've said so often before, making a decision uh, to do it uh, is the easy part. Doing it is the difficult part. And how many things there are that we love to say we love uh, to do, but we don't really do them. We, we like to say that we love them and to portray to others that this is something important to us, but we, we really fail on it. And the truth of the matter is, if we were to go around the room and, and put people on the spot and say, uh, how many of you uh, read your Bible and pray every day for, for personal gain, for, for devotional time? Not, I'm not talking about trying to prepare for some lesson you got to teach or something like that. I'm talking about just for personal gain. I wonder how many of us would say, I, I do that on a regular basis. This is personal to me. Uh, how, how many of us do that daily? How many of us do it several times a day? How many of us do it uh, once a week? How many of us do it once a month? Uh, how many of us never do it? And the truth is, there's a lot of things in the Christian life that we like to claim that we do or that we're in, in agreement with. But then when it comes to the practice of it, we don't do it. Here's Daniel and the Bible says that when these men were looking for a fault against him, the only way they could find a fault against him was in the law of his God. Because they knew that when it comes to Daniel and his walk with the Lord, that it was something he took very, very personal. Look with me in verse number 20 for a moment. This is after he's been uh, convicted uh, of uh, denying the decree. And verse number 20, the Bible says, And when he came to the den, speaking of the king, when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king, now this isn't Daniel saying this, this is the king saying this. The king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, notice this, is thy God, whom thou servest, continually able to deliver thee from the lions. He knew that Daniel was a Jew. He knew that he was from the Jewish people. The king didn't come to the den and say, Daniel, is the God of Abraham or is the God of the Israelites able to save you? He was known by the king as being the Daniel who served his God. It was his God. Thou servest continually. Thy God. Uh, is this something that is of a personal nature? When it comes to our walk with God, is this something personal for us? Or, or do, we, do we rely on the church services that we go to as our walk with God? Uh, well, I go to Sunday school, I go to Sunday morning, I go to Sunday night, I even come Wednesday night, and that is the time that I commune with God, I, I learn about God. Is that my time of the Lord? 
is it personal to you? Is there a time where you get alone with the Lord, away from distractions, away from family, away from friends, away from work, and say, Lord, I need to walk with you today. I need to spend time with you today. The importance of this, the urgency that we are facing in the day that we live, for God's people to make this a personal matter. For it to be said, is thy God whom thou servest continually. For people to say, if we're going to find a fault with them, we're going to have to find it in relation to their God because that's who they serve. That's who, they're, that's who, they're af- that's who they follow after with all of their heart. The greatest commandment, the Bible says in Scripture, is that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. I love corporate worship. I love meeting together. I love the fellowship of God's people. But those of you that are there and know what I'm talking about know that the time spent alone with God are some of the sweetest times, some of the times of greatest growth, some of the times of greatest encouragement and strengthening and comfort, some of the greatest times of worship come in our times alone with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love church. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think we ought to be part of it. I think it helps us to be around other Christians and to fellowship and to be strengthened and edified by one another. But I cannot emphasize enough the importance of a personal walk with the Lord. And, and folks, we're living in a day where if these numbers hold true, there are more people who are not walking with God daily than are. And that's a travesty. It's a travesty. The second thing I want us to know about our walk with God is... Uh, we need to do it on purpose. There needs to be a, a purposing in our hearts. There needs to be a, a decision made. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring the body and the, the flesh nature that doesn't uh, always desire this. I'm going to bring it under subjection. And I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm going to make the commitment. I'm going to do this. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 9. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 9. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, and by the way, that's important to this story. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees, notice this, three times a day and prayed, gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel's walk with God was not something that he struggled with. It's not something that he waited from day to day to see how he felt, if he really wanted to walk with God today or not. This was something that Daniel had purposed long before this time and had practiced long before this time. Notice it says that he knelt upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Notice this phrase, as he did aforetime. He had so purposed in his heart, and I want you to understand the commitment level that Daniel had. He was so purposed in his heart to walk with his God that even when the decree of the king was signed and he knew about it, he did not let it discourage him or deter him from his walk with God. He was willing to do whatever it took, whatever the price was, whatever inconvenience it might cause him. Even, notice this, even if it meant giving his own life, he was not going to forsake his walk with God. He wasn't going to do it. Look with me, if you will, in, uh, let's see here, 
verse number, uh, did I write that verse? I'm sorry, I, didn't, I don't have that other verse now. I'm sorry. I'll have to get that one to you later. But, but uh, regardless, it needs to be purposeful. It needs to be something we commit to, something we make the decision on, and then we follow through with it. Again, making the decision is the easy part. Following through with it is the hard part. The third thing I want us to note uh, from Daniel's uh, story here about a walk with God is that it needs to become a priority. It needs to become a priority. Look with me in verse number 10. And we just read that one, but we're going to read down a few verses. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition Three times a day. I want to stop there for a moment. We're going to read a few more verses here in just a moment. But Daniel was put in a position where he had to make a choice. I've either got to obey God, or I've got to obey the king. By the way, there are often times, lest you say that this was just something that happened in the time of Daniel, there are often times you and I have to make that choice today. Are we going to obey the king? Or are we going to obey God? And the time will come, and I see it soon on the horizon, that if God tarries His coming and we live a right, healthy old age, we will have to take that stand. There will come times where we will have to make the choice. I'm either going to obey God or I'm going to obey man, but they are in conflict and I cannot obey both. It's interesting to me that the Bible says here in verse number 13, Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king. What were they saying? They were saying Daniel decided that his walk with the Lord was the priority. It was more important for him to do such than to obey the king. We're talking about a time period where the king had the authority to put him to death. And as far as Daniel knew, he was going to be put to death. Yet he said, the priority is so important to me that the Bible says that he made his petition three times a day in the face of what the king said. Now let's look and see what else he says here. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and said, it's hard on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree or statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought forth and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Daniel didn't enter this, this rebellion against the king in order to follow God with the hope that things were going to change and that the law could be changed or that he was going to be delivered. Daniel knew full well the law of the Medes and the Persians 
could not be altered. When they threw him in the lion's den, and so much so that the Bible says that they took and put a stone over top of it, and the king sealed it with the signet so that the matter could not be changed. And yet, in the face of all of this, Daniel said the priority, my priority, is my walk with God. And by the way, it was that walk with God that delivered him, wasn't it? I wonder what would have happened if Daniel had been like some of the other children of Israel that were brought into captivity who did not purpose in their heart not to defile themselves with the king's meat, that did not take a stand. Understand this. Daniel was a young man. Uh, We don't know for sure how old he was, but probably late teens, maybe early 20s at the best. Uh, Probably younger than that. He was taken away from his parents. You know how many teenagers today taken away from their parents would continue to follow that which was right? Not many. He's taken away from the influence of the temple and the priests, the godly people that were around him. He was taken away from that influence, and he was placed in an ungodly environment. You know how many young people placed in that kind of an environment would still do what was right regardless? Not many. He was taken away from the eyes of the king, the priests, the leaders. Nobody was going to see or know if he gave in to the demands of the king of Babylon or not. Do you know how many young men put in that situation would still do what was right because they had purposed in their heart? Not many. By the way, even in the day we live today, not many. In fact, I would say this. If we came and said, look, not even young men, old men today, how many of them put in the same situation would be that dedicated to doing what was right? The sad fact of the matter is not many. I can say that because I know that there are 22 people, 22% of Bible believers, there's only 22% of them that believe that the Bible is inspired. There's 57% of them that don't even believe that Jesus is the only way. I know that there's not going to be that many that would have the purpose to stand up and say, we want to believe what's right because it's right. We're going to hold fast to that. Daniel made his walk with the Lord, his time spent three times a day kneeling before his God and praying. He made that a priority. He made it a priority. Above all else, it was important to him. And then I want you to notice this, that our walk with God will always be profitable. It will always be profitable. You cannot have a walk with God and it not profit you. It will strengthen your faith. It will encourage you. It will bring comfort in times of sorrow. It will give you strength in times of uh, fear. It will give you peace. It will give you uh, courage. It will give you boldness. Daniel did all of this. And he did it full knowing that more than likely he was going to die from it. Daniel did not know that God was going to deliver him. I'll go so far as to say this. I don't think Daniel expected God to deliver him. I don't think we find that in Scripture. God did deliver him, and I think he was very thankful for that. But there is no indication that when Daniel went into the lion's den that he expected God to deliver him. Notice that because of his walk with the Lord, His absolute dedication to it. 
It was a personal matter. He had determined to do it. He made it a priority in his life. Notice that because of that, it caused a profitability to happen. Number one, it delivered Daniel. It delivered him. Now, I could, you could say, well, there's other instances where people were martyred and they weren't delivered. Well, were they or were they not? Remember when the three Hebrew boys stood before King Nebuchadnezzar and they said, our God will deliver us? How could they say that when they were looking at the fiery furnace right there? They didn't know if God was going to... What they were saying is, it didn't matter whether it was by life or by death, either way, God would deliver them. It's interesting that... Our walk with God brings God's deliverance. may not always be the way we think it ought to be, but it always brings His deliverance. And I will say this. Uh, look, look in verse number uh, 25. Verse number 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear before the God of who? Daniel. You know what Daniel's walk did? His, his prioritizing, his, his committing to it, making it a personal matter. You know what it did? It served as a testimony to the king. And God used that. I, I've said this so often before. We never know the influence that our life has on others. We won't know till we get to eternity the full impact of the influence that our life has. According to this, the Bible says that it impacted the king so much that he made a decree. Notice what the decree is. He says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heavens, in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The importance of our walk with God, folks, I, I, I've preached on that, and you know the importance of it. But some things to practically help us. It ought to be a personal thing. It ought to be something we take very, very personally. I don't want to just say that y'all need to have a walk with God. I want to know in my life I need to have a walk with God. It needs to be something that I purpose in my heart I am going to do. Because the old flesh nature, the busyness of life, the circumstances that come into our life that distract us so often will battle and war against this decision we've made to walk with God. It will do it. There's so much distraction in the world we live in today that if we do not purpose in our hearts to do it, we won't. We won't. It needs to be a priority. We need to say, this is something that is not up for debate in my life. It is not something that I will allow something else to take the place of. It is the most important thing I do each and every day. It is the thing that sustains me. It's the thing that nourishes me. And we need to understand that the profitability of it is something that God promises. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, He'll change our hearts, cause us to think right, cause us to delight and have the desires that we ought to have, cause us to live in a way that we ought to live. When we read His Word, 
The Bible tells us that it will keep us from sin by hiding it in our hearts. It will instruct us in the way. It will guide our steps. There are so many things that it profits us. And yet, probably one of the most neglected things that most people never see because it is a personal matter. And I'm not here to put people on the spot today. I'm here to charge us and to challenge us. Look into our hearts. How is our walk with God? Personally, I'm not talking about as a church. I'm talking about you personally, me personally. Look into our hearts. Are we walking with Him? Are we making it a matter of priority? Have we purposed? Have we committed to it? Have we buckled ourselves down and said, I am going to make this happen. It is going to be the priority of my life. And I want to encourage us in this. It is the most important thing. And our success, our thriving, our growing in the Christian life will largely depend upon our walk with God. All right, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed. Father, we pray that you'll take the lesson that we've learned today and those things that we've learned from just a simple story of Daniel. Lord, what a, what a great example of a personal walk with you of a man who had purposed and decided and determined, that prioritized it and said, above all else, there will be nothing greater in his life 